Hello everyone and welcome to episode 9 of If It Is To Be Said, a succession podcast. The penultimate episode. Straight off the bat, how did you find it, Harry? I thought it was great. I loved it. One of the best episodes ever. Yeah, but, uh, I think it might be my fa- one of my favourite episodes. Definitely, It's my favourite episode definitely of the season, potentially, of my life. Yeah, it was... Um... I feel like what's good about this season so far is there has been some classic succession kind of mm-hmm. setups for episode, but then some really unique stuff. And I feel like this was pretty unique. Last episode was very unique, but then this yeah. was also had the kind of penultimate wedding episode, which is like, I feel like Succession has done loads of times. And we kind of thought maybe the Connor would be that, but that wasn't really a wedding episode at all. Whereas this yeah. had the feeling of a wedding episode, but it was a yeah. funeral. Yeah, because it's getting all the characters in one place at the yeah. same time, which is nice. Um, God, isn't that poignant? How weddings and funerals both do the same thing. Isn't that beautiful? Or is it sad? I don't actually know. <laughs> this, in in a way, was the most uh, beautiful of all the weddings. <laughs> <laughs> Logan being wedded to death forever. Yeah. <laughs> and in many ways, some weddings are just as bad as a funeral, if you know what I mean, or knowing what the wives are like these days. <laughs> Oh dear. Do you know what made me know? Like from the beginning of the app, I was like, this is going to be a relentless episode because the theme tune came before anything mm. else. It, sometimes they do like a little, a little pre-cum scene where you get a little <laughs> bit of pre-cum. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I don't know if I'm in the mood to be recording a podcast. I'm feeling incredibly silly and I'm drinking a sparkling water, which Harry already knows about, but I'm going to be honest with the listeners and say I stole a cup of bottled a cup I stole a bottle of bottled sparkling water from my gig last night it was the only good thing that came from that preview I did and I'm enjoying it as a treat whilst we record this podcast yeah and it's just bubbling you right up isn't it it's bubbling me right up (laughs) um but yeah, as soon as that theme tune hit, I was like, okay, we are not going to be fucking around with any like pre-cum. We are going straight in for full penetration. <laughs> <laughs> I smell another one-star review on the horizon. <laughs> I feel like we've been waiting for this though, because Logan died ages ago. Logan died so long ago. And that feels like a different like time in my life as well as in like I look back on that and I'm like god that was so long ago I was a different person then to who I am now yeah it's like uh it's like looking back at COVID isn't it Mm. did he die of COVID I think (laughs) that's what it was I think he died of COVID he was doing a lateral flow test in the (laughs) toilet (laughs) he dropped his swab into the toilet let's spread that rumor let's be the first podcast to come out officially with the succession theory that Logan died from COVID-19. Yeah, we'll put it out there. We're the ATN of podcasts. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Or that he died from not having the vaccine. No, from having the vaccine. Oh, that's pure ATN. Yeah, that's pure ATN vibes. Um, Uh, Well, we start with some ATN on the TV uh, because there is protesters outside ATN because mm-hmm. uh, everyone's livid about Menkin. Yeah, people are storming the streets. It's quite an intense vibe. Um, I think that's like a really interesting like undercurrent for the whole episode because it's sort of like, I don't know, I guess seeing it, the closest thing it brings to mind, which isn't actually that relevant at all, but it's just recent, is like the Queen's funeral, probably the coronation as well, but like I didn't really watch that, whereas I kind of watched a bit of the Queen's funeral because I was bored on the train, and also I respect her, God rest her soul. <laughs> um, but like this thing of like, oh, there are like lots of people going to this place, it's like everyone's going to be here, you know, it's, a spe- it's like a kind of a special day, but with the undercurrent of like violence and unrest, I think it allowed all the characters to have a like added tension which yeah. meant everything bubbled over to a like much more extreme place 
Yeah, it was like they were, pe- even though they were sort of outside in public, in the church, on the streets, they were, it felt like they were penned in by all the police sort of barricades and the protests. Yeah. It was, yeah, very chaotic episode, even though it was taking place in a church for most of it. Yeah, and as we all know, churches are literally a place of God. Hey, and who's the only god of succession? Logan Roy. Logan Roy. May Logan he rest Roy. in peace. <laughs> Logan Roy's going home. <laughs> He's going home to God, his dad. His dad, because God is also Jesus. Okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> okay, I think I think we're riffing pretty good today. Um, I do think, like, as soon as the episode started with Roman doing his, like, insane kind of funeral preparation where he was like pacing around his flat going into cupboards that we have never even seen before with all his suits hanging up holding his little a-level revision cue cards i was like how did he get hold of these (laughs) this man has never been to a ryman's what is going on here um but i like i was like oh he's in that mode where he's seeing logan's death as like this is what it can do for me i.e. Yeah. he's completely detached from it, i.e. this is not going to end well for him. Like, I think, I don't know if, if, if it was the same for you, but as, so, as soon as I saw that, I was like, oh, God, Roman is going to have a tough one in this episode. Yeah, he was really, the speech for him was about his sort of ambitions uh, in the company rather than doing an actual eulogy for his dad, mm. which we then got, I would say three actual eulogies for Logan mm-hmm. um, that I think we'll talk about later, but I think helped Kendall and Shiv, but they're also very honest, which Roman was, some of the quotes were, watch Roman the showman light up the sky. Uh, I, and he just looked at himself in the mirror and said, I am the man, I am the man. Which is an insane thing to say before a funeral. Um, yeah. let alone your dad's funeral. And it's, it's it's interesting that he's having to do that performance just for himself, because we obviously usually see him performing for other people and he continues to perform later in the episode when they're in the car. But we're so used to seeing him doing this act for everyone else and then it's like, oh, he's actually, this act is him by himself because he can't he can't let it drop. He's not comfortable enough to let it drop because he doesn't, I think he doesn't know what's underneath, but he's scared of it. Yeah, and I feel like he is all his performance and all his sort of charisma is always in the presence of people in the company, his siblings, other super rich people. Mm-hmm. He, You realise, I think, in this episode how shielded from the outside world Roman really is. Yeah. He never has to speak to any... Maybe he did that... Um, leadership course but you never really see him interacting with anyone even assistants or drivers in the way that Mm. you see Kendall and you see sometimes Shiv and you saw Logan you know that's so true he's completely detached from it all and it feels like he thinks that's fine like he he wouldn't see that as something that would impact him at all when actually it's like oh you're you're even more of like a a sort of child in this like world that is a preserved version of what you think it is. Yeah. Um, And then also in his, in his speech, he also says, uh, but we, we don't really get many lines from the speech because Mm. it's just him pumping himself up. But he says like born middle child of three, which I feel like is a very deliberate way of trying Mm. to highlight their similarities because he's out of the three kids. He's the middle child. Is he? <laughs> yeah, he is. He's I'm older j- than I'm Shiv. I'm joking. I'm That's, joking. People, do, people that. are shocked by that, though. People are people shocked think by that. Roman's the baby because he acts like a baby. Yeah, and do you know what? I think I obviously knew that and I wouldn't have started a succession <laughs> podcast without knowing the order of the siblings. But I do think, like, hypothetically, if I was to sort of learn that information <laughs> on the second to last... <laughs> on the second to last podcast episode i'd say that's fine (laughs) 
because we're constantly learning with succession that's the really interesting thing about it is that it keeps you on your toes with these tiny little easter eggs like <laughs> what age are the siblings <laughs> oh dear next we've got rather calling kendall and they're leaving the city yeah what did you make of this i don't know like i i think i think i found kendall's reaction to it sort of quite moving in a way because definitely on the surface he was being a complete like wanker and being really rude and controlling to her and see again continuing to sort of seem to have like no actual understanding of his role as a parent but like what i understood it as was like he is like so desperate to have like some support and he's about to go into this alone he's completely separated from shiv and roman now emotionally and he doesn't have anyone there and so i think he's like you can't fucking go like i need I need to have someone there, even though he has no relationship with her really or his children, but I think just to feel like he's part of something other than just himself. Um, And so I found it, I found it sadder than I think I found, you know, I always to some level, you're like, come on, Kendall, like stop being like this. But it 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 was upsetting, I think a little bit. What did you think? Yeah, I mean, and it is, it feels like rather... Obviously, with the protests, it's almost it is an excuse for her to take them away because mm-hmm. I think it's not safe. She was kind of she was talking about the protests and stuff, but I really think she was talking in a wider way as well that the toxicity of that family and the situation it's just not a good place for those kids to be and for her mm. and getting out of that getting out of the city is i think her realizing that there's almost no way back for kendall at this stage and i'm just gonna bring these kids up on my own yeah and she's almost like i know i don't think it comes across like this at all but like perhaps on some level it is a like you have probably let me down for so many parts of my life that like I can let you down for this. Like, not like revenge, but like, this is fair. Like, it's not unreasonable to do this. Yeah, she's always seemed to support Ken. Mm-hmm. When he was going, was it season three, going against Logan? They were doing it in her house, right? It, yeah. She's always had this kind of way of trying to, it seemed to protect Kendall and support Kendall even when they were apart. And this just seemed like she was cutting that loose well she's had to pick i think the safety of her daughter over trying to support kendall anymore i think maybe it's also a little bit of like not like punishment but in a way sort of punishment for like knowing that he was involved in menken getting elected and what that's going to mean for the country um and i have to say she looked chic as fuck when she was getting into that car, I was like, I want to be in that car with Rava. <laughs> she's, I want to go to her country home. She's always chic and she just is rich forever now. She's cool. Those she's kids kind of got the dream could be situation. fine. Yeah. Yeah. But they might th- not be because Kendall wants custody, which <laughs> yeah. is just crazy. Yeah, I mean, I think as soon as we saw him start to have that phone call and start to have that conversation with Jess, it was like, okay, everyone can see exactly what he's doing. He is so on the surface right now. Everything is happening so on the surface in real time that it's just pathetic. <laughs> it's yeah. just pathetic. Um, I will say just before before we move on from that, I think around that time we also see Shiv and Matson have a phone call and I don't think there's like much to take from that phone call but one thing that really struck me was like when you see Shiv and Matson talk it they do seem like a good match for each other in a sort of business context because most of the time we've seen Shiv in the like Waystar um, situation she's with her brothers and people who don't take her seriously and her brothers can always be like especially in the last few episodes they've like Roman especially has been like 
shivy, like taking the piss out of her. They call, they make fun of her for being a woman, you know. And then you see her talk to Matson, and he like does take on board what she says, and he listens to her, and it's like, oh, this is kind of like a professional relationship that works for her. Yeah, I feel like with Shiv as well, with the kind of particularly Roman, she she always will get caught up in it as well and like go down yeah. to Roman's level. She can't, it is, but that is classic siblings. It's like they just turn into kids with each other and you kind of see Shiv make, making, in this in this phone call, making the right call, mm. right? To bury the numbers today, Matson's not sure, but later we see that it's kind of going well, it seems, yeah. at that point. So... It's nice to see that she does actually know what she's talking about at some point because she has had, like, real jobs. Yeah. There is a sense, though, I kind of do get this sense of Matson respects her to an extent, but mm. I don't think necessarily sees it as a partnership in the way yeah. Shiv hopes. I think yeah. he's just like, she's useful to me at the moment for, you know, she's a Roy and she's got that inside track. But she also does know what she's talking about. She's useful to me now, but how long that will last, I mm. don't know. Yeah, it definitely doesn't feel like he's fully trustworthy. Um, and And then we have that scene with all of them in the car and that's when we see this like moment where Kendall sort of like opens up to them and then Shiv reveals that she's pregnant. Yeah. What what did you think of the old the pregnancy hard launch? I kind of like I feel like she's almost relieved to be telling people now, yeah, but she just sure. the way she drops it is hilariously Shiv like yeah, no big deal, whatever, I don't even care, is kind of the way she drops it. And then Roman's reaction, this is when, again, you see him in his penthouse saying, I am the man, and now he's just make, you know, he's, his first reaction, is it mine? Yeah. <laughs> and then constantly making jokes it's about... It's honestly uh, peak yeah. Roman. Yeah. And it's when, when he starts, when he makes sort of 10 disgusting jokes in yeah. a row, if it wasn't clear that he is just trying harder and harder to avoid the impending emotional sort of breakdown, this yeah. really flagged it up. Yeah. And, and it's like, Kendall asks, like, can we maybe like not do this today? and I think it's just like again yeah it's exactly what you said you're like oh this isn't right I think at that point I was still kind of like is he gonna really misjudge the tone you know is he gonna keep going into it with this tone and 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 also what I thought in that moment was like Shiv when Kendall like explains what's gone on for him Shiv is kind of like oh I'm sorry Ken and offers him a bit of sympathy and then when she says that she's pregnant, he kind of is like, congrats and stuff. But like, he can't, he doesn't like, it feels like they were kind of almost able to offer each other support, but Roman's like interrupting it. And so they can't really have that moment. But I think even that sort of flash of connection that they have starts to build like the foundation of what is going to go on to then be broken later in the episode when Kendall finds out about her plans with Matson. Um but I think even that moment in the car when it's like they've both revealed something vulnerable about themselves. Roman's just talking about like fucking his sister. <laughs> yeah. That is that starts to set up like what's going on for them between this this episode. Yeah. We get, Where do uh, we get to next? Tom and Greg at ATN. Tom mm -hmm. is basically gonna be late at this stage. And he won, and but Greg really wants to go to the funeral. He sees it as a sort of schmoozing opportunity. Yeah, the, ne he's got the to LinkedIn get in networking there. event of the year. <laughs> yeah. So he's like, I'm going. And Tom tells him to put in the good word with Mencken. Yeah. Yeah. 
that is um that is sort of greg's greg's i feel like greg in this episode you know he's he's sort of like constantly trying to get what he wants and is being like shot down repeatedly and then you sort of see him get what he wants and you're like yeah people were right to shoot you down (laughs) that's it that's the thing of like greg compared to the others when he gets shot down he's already he's just so able to just keep going it's like nothing can affect him because he has he just has that kind of punching bag everyone's used to him being shot down so it doesn't really ruin anything for him yeah, he just gets back up and is like trying <laughs> to make a deal, trying to schmooze. Um, and also, like, I feel like around the same time as this is this when it sort of cuts back to like Kendall having that conversation with Jess. Where yeah, she we get that. Reveals that she's moving on. That's what she keeps saying. She's moving on. And um, I was very struck in this moment by. The fact that he has to have that conversation with her now, slash she has to have that conversation with him now, that's like his last support pillar gone right before the funeral. And she's not even really like an emotional support, but it's just like he is going into the situation fully alone. Um, But of course, because it's not quite emotional attachment in the same way like it is with Rava, um, he just turns on her and then puts his sunglasses on, which activates his thick homo. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> um well how did you find watching their conversation just excruciating yeah, honestly it's horrible she like anyone who's quitting a job you just want to quit and then be able to leave but now yeah. it's like this awkward situation where she yeah i mean fair play to her though yeah she she kind of i guess being in that position for so long she does sort of know exactly what's going to happen she knows she has to say it to him when he wants to have that conversation she knows he's gonna blow up and be a dick like you just see her sort of take it all on the chin and it's just like yeah this is probably what i thought was going to happen in the scheduled meeting as well yeah um but he's just able to throw it back in the face of like Real nice of you to do it on a date like this. Yeah. Oh, I just had, I had my head in my hands. I was like, come on, Kendall, grow up. Yeah, that was the comment that was like, grow up, come on. Yeah, yeah, he's a little bitch. Um, yeah. I loved, one of my favourite lines of the episode was when they arrive at the um, funeral and Shiv is talking to Connor and Willa about the speech and Willa says, it's formally inventive. That's one of the things we like most about it. <laughs> <laughs> I was just like, Willa, once again, is absolutely stealing the show. We, She's so used to like using the pronoun we now yeah. to like f- fold them into this cohesive thing. But you just get a real taste of like, oh, this is how Willa has to be like constantly, relentlessly optimistic and spin things and you hear her like playwright soul being like this eulogy is formally inventive i'm so <laughs> yeah. sad we didn't get to see that eulogy i would have loved to see it i know because the only because we've already got a connor eulogy in succession where he did mm-hmm. the eulogy for mo lester the mer- mm. the molester and yeah. willa helped him with that and that was just the most neutral sort of ai written like when a man dies it is sad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think it was one of the lines. So, that was one yeah. Of them, yeah. A shame we didn't get to see that. Formally invented. Uh, what forms? <laughs> <laughs> uh, and we get just a lot of sort of handshakes and little pre-funeral <clears throat> interactions here. Uh, mm-hmm. Roman tries to sort of get Frank on board with his run for the crown, and Frank is just like, no. Nah. Yeah. Frank knows if he's backing a kid, it's Kendall. Come on. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think it's funny because you also, in between those moments, you have that moment of like Jerry making the joke of, um, I can't remember what she actually says. She says, she... how much of you is glad? Oh yeah, that's it. And you're like, oh, like, it's funny that Jerry and Roman are kind of doing like 
similar sort of jokey vibes at the funeral. Like Jerry's also like being quite funny. Um, so it's like, oh God, if only they were having audio sex over the... (laughs) What what do I mean? Audio sex via a door. Audio sex is definitely not the term for it. I think it works. (laughs) Ear sex. (laughs) Oral sex? No, okay. Uh, I meant aural, like A-U-R. Well, anyway, if you know what, whether it's audio sex or aural sex, do write in... um, Let's start with some correspondence for the last episode. Yeah, get into the correspondence. (laughs) Um, What else? Greg wants an in with Menkin. So Mm -hmm. Roman's kind of like, yeah, fine. But you have to keep an eye on Ewan. And he says that. And Greg's reaction is honestly like, he's really wangled an incredible deal for himself. And it's like, Roman is obviously not really good at like there's nothing holding Roman to this but I feel like Greg is so proud of himself just for saying like making a sort of slight threat of like blackmail that he reacts like he's done an incredible deal (laughs) yeah but I feel like Greg even Greg's plan would be a sort of when the two of them are talking to come over and then Roman probably would just Mm. do it It, he's not going to get a good introduction but Greg doesn't need a good introduction yeah Um, the, I think the, one of the absolute incredible moments of this episode was, um, when mummy, mummy, mummy Roy arrives and comes over to have a conversation with Shiv and Roman with her husband. Yeah. It was just incredible how they say completely nothing to each other. Yeah. Whilst simultaneously conveying that Shiv is pregnant yeah and that was that was incredible and her reaction is blimey yeah <laughs> the the way they portray the English and I know it's written by English people as well but you're like god we are annoying <laughs> yeah because it is the absolute like sort of upper class English and then Peter what's he called like Peter Bunyan or something yeah <laughs> And with his floppy hair, and he is just the slimiest slime ball possible. Yeah, he's like he's like a sort of um, Tory, like Hugh Grant. Yeah. Version. Um, I think that moment between like Shiv and her mum is so interesting because it's like it's kind of they're not communicating, which almost like reminded me of like what they say about like you know like a mum and daughter like a maternal bond where it's like you don't need to say anything like you sort of just understand each other but it's like it's that but like the evil version of that it's like it's so broken that it's like they still have this sort of ability to like not talk to each other at all but it's not a comforting thing it's like a barrier and it's a barrier and they're just horrible the cult she the mum is such a well-written character because the way she's horrible and a bad mother is so... We, I just don't think we've seen it, but you can also recognise it. Just the mm-hmm. coldness of her. It's just not a cliched way at all of like a bad mum. Yeah, it's completely detached. Um, and I guess... It, it calls to mind that conversation of Shiv having it with her mother where her mum says that she's not going to be a good mother. Yeah. And there's kind of that like underlying defensiveness in Shiv, which I think is why she keeps saying that thing of like, well, you know, they're not going to see me at all. I'm not going to see them at all. I'm going to be working. She says that quite a few times during the episode. And I think when she says that, what she's basically saying is like, I... I was fucked up. So I'm I'm like I'm kind of within my right to be a bad mother. Not like quite like that, but do you know what I mean? Like I feel like she's trying to draw attention to the fact that she didn't have a good childhood and she's like yeah. I didn't have a good childhood and I'm still successful. So you know, it's okay if I'm not going to be like if I don't look like the perfect mother for these children. Um but I think it's also just her like she's clearly very insecure about that and like hasn't quite figured out what the pregnancy means for her career yeah and we kind of 
lead into that with Shiv wants to be the American CEO of Waystar. She floats the idea to Matson. Matson now knows that she's pregnant, and that is when she says, "Ah, oh, yeah, but you know, I, I have a thirty-six-hour maternity leave sort of thing." Mm. Um, but this is where really the consequences start of for her career start to face her yeah yeah and she's kind of whilst she's like i think she's kind of got control it feels like she's got control of it to an extent because we see her tell tom and we see her tell her siblings on her own terms but then as soon as she's in the church she's not in control of it her mum can tell and matson has heard from someone else and it's like oh she's actually not the one who's uh, got like control over this like really personal bit of information that's also gonna have consequences for her career in like a public capacity. Yeah. I, yeah, no, you go. Well, next scene is probably like the only nice sort of heartwarming scene of the whole episode. Mm. It's Kerry arriving very nervous she's got a lawyer with her because she thought she might not be able to come but Mm. then we see some warmth from mummy for once and she brings kerry over to the front with marcia and who she refers to as her kerry um which the actress is actually brian cox's wife little uh, easter egg there yeah Oh my god, that's great! And um, they all sit on the front row. What did you think of this scene, Anya? Well, I I loved it because I thought obviously initially I was like, you know, she's such a shit stirrer. Mum is such a shit stirrer. Like she she is doing this for the drama. Um, and and there is that, like when she's bringing Kerry to the front, it doesn't feel like oh, I think Kerry had a relationship with Logan and therefore deserves to be at the front. To me, it felt like her sort of being like, there are four women here who had relationships with Logan and people are going to be judging us against each other. So let's all sit at the front as like a united image and like put that message out of like, you can't talk shit about us, basically. It felt like more of a calculated move to me. But when Kerry's upset and Marsha does take her hand, I did think that was like genuine and nice and um, human. It was like a human moment from Marsha and it definitely kind of like, it's almost like, obviously we don't know the one who's Brian Cox's actual wife, but like you see them like ranked in like humanity and like Marsha is kind of an in-between point between mum and Kerry of like, has the human side, but like, clearly is sort of in control of her emotions and like has a slightly bigger like I don't know they're contextualized with lots of other things Carrie is at one end of the scale clearly like quite broken by this and the mum is like completely cold and shut off and I think that's like that feels right to me that like Marsha is like that yeah Marsha's always been portrayed as very savvy intelligent but also did love Logan. Like when he's sick, Marsha is looking after him. So yeah, I think it was just a great moment, all of them sitting at the front. And as you say, like there's no sort of, oh, scandalous Kerry was in there with a lawyer. It's like, no, they just, they all knew about each other. Yeah. It is what it is. We're all just here. Yeah. Marsha's looking great wearing all her Milan funeral pieces. (laughs) Yeah. And I think... uh, Roman makes many jokes about having sex with Marsha this episode. Yeah, yeah. And who can blame him? <laughs> um, and and then I, I was really struck by the music in this episode. I thought there was like quite a unique score. Like there was, obviously there was like the, the violins and like the choral, I don't know if choral is the right word, but the music when they brought Logan's coffin in. But also I just felt like all the music in the episode was like very unique and like lots of piano music that felt like we hadn't heard it before, which I think added to the feeling of like this episode is quite like special and different. Yeah. And it was um, when the coffin came out, Greg got the 
Greg got to be a yeah. wheel man. <laughs> as the, as I didn't Tom know that it. was even a thing. Well, I think there's um, ca- carrying the coffin is a thing, but obviously yeah. they just sort of ha- was sort of hands on it as it was wheeled in. But what yeah. I did like about this is Peter Bunyan. That's what I'm going to call him. It's something like that. Uh, wanted to be, he was like, I'll do it. And yeah. she was like, no. no. And, you know, it was so funny when he suggests like, oh, I'll do it. You are like, yeah, this is a completely believable, like British character who is totally um, detached, who totally doesn't understand how disliked they are in this moment and how out of place their offer is, but is genuinely like, oh, I'll offer to do the most helpful thing at this moment. I'll be happy to wheel the coffin in because obviously there'd be no half hard feelings about that. <laughs> yeah, it is. He just it wants to be perceived as like Logan's friend. But I mean, Greg, it, this is the one time where it's like, yeah, Greg should be the backup here, you know? And yeah, Shiv yeah, sort yeah, of yeah. approves that. Um, because it doesn't really have any consequence. Like I think obviously it's a visual thing, but other than like having one hand on the coffin whilst it's wheeled in like it doesn't yeah you're just in the sort of wedding party but for a funeral whatever that's yeah. called you know funeral party best man <laughs> <laughs> who's gonna be best man at your funeral <laughs> um the speeches yeah here we fucking go this is when the episode i think becomes electric like yeah. all the speeches and then the end sequences are all incredible here. And I think it starts from old Uncle Ewan yeah. just getting up. Greg tries to stop him. Shiv tries to stop him. And he is having none of it. He's, I'm I'm speaking. And Roman's like, no, what the fuck? And Greg's like, what do you want me to do? Take his legs out. It's there. He just knew if he went up there. There's nothing they can really do to stop it. Yeah, it feels like he made that decision a long time ago that that was going to happen and he knew a long time ago that he was going to be able to do it, that it wouldn't be a problem. Um, How did you feel watching his speech? It was incredible. It was... In a show that has had many good sort of speeches and monologues, one of the best, Mm. the show scene. And it was almost... It really wasn't Ewan trying to ruin the funeral or just bash his bash Logan. It was just a genuine attempt, I feel like, to talk about the life of Logan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because we got the backstory, we got, you know some of the things that they've been through, just a snippet of some of the things they've been through. And Logan, who I think has been such a mysterious character, we mm. don't really know a lot about him, Why? what made him... You don't always know where he's thinking. I feel like this was the show kind of saying, this is Logan. The kind of things you maybe have guessed about Logan and why he is the way that he is, this is what they were. Yeah, and I think, like, it's interesting that they have that, that Ewan does that sort of anecdote about them communicating with their eyes for whatever it was, like, three days and two nights. And it's, I think you hear that and you think, like, oh, it it kind of puts the rest of his speech into context. Like you say, it doesn't feel like he's come to ruin the funeral because you're like, they did have an intimate sibling relationship, like the siblings that we see watching the speech do, that's complicated and has its like rifts and its tears but it also was founded on something of them going through stuff together which is the same as the siblings have it's them going through stuff that logan puts them through like kind of shiv touches on in her speech um but i think when ewan starts to go off into into his kind of like slightly more like negative takes um you feel like it feels genuine and it doesn't feel unfair like, it feels like this is your perception of it. Like, this is what your kind of truth is of the matter. And it feels like he really has needed to get that off his chest for ages because he's probably quite, like, built up a lot of things that he's never been able to say to Logan because of their sort of fractured relationship. And I think, like, you, it also reminds you that, like, Logan 
was, it sounds like, was quite like a vulnerable child. And you get that information about the polio that he thinks he he blamed himself for killing his sister. And you, like, see, like, in retrospect, we're given, like, quite a lot of moments of vulnerability um, of Logan as, like, a child who went through quite a lot of stuff, which probably impacts the way he saw his kids and how little they had to go through compared to him. Like, just in those two anecdotes we get of him, it sounds like he's had, like, quite a tough, intense time that's the complete opposite to the kids. And, like, even what we see in the titles of, like, the you know, what I imagine is supposed to be, like, the kids' upbringing of them, like, riding an elephant. And we hear about, like, Logan being stowed away in, like, the gully of a ship. Yeah. It's different worlds. But I like seeing how you watch, you're watching Ewan and then it keeps cutting away and like everyone is restless. Like everyone is like shifting in their chair. No one can quite relax because it's like, is this going to turn? Yeah. But uh, I also just love when he sits back down, Greg says to him something like, good hard take. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) He's just whatever someone wants to hear, he'll say it. It doesn't even matter. Yeah, it's ridiculous. And then, okay, I this moment, Roman goes up to speak. Yeah. And Kieran Culkin, like, absolute performance of the century. Like, you see him turn into a boy. Like, yeah. you see him turn into a child and, like, recede inside himself. His voice changes. He can't get his words out. I... Like, that was the first time, like, audibly in the episode. I was like, no. Like, I was, like, putting my hands over my eyes. And I was like, I can't watch this. Like, this is, like, too hard to watch. Because he just completely breaks down. And we all knew it was coming. But it's still so powerful because of the way it happens. It's a complete return to, like, infancy and, like, vulnerability. And he, like, can't believe his dad is in this box. And it's it's just, like... Oh, it, that that performance floored me. Yeah, because even though you sort of saw the downfall, I don't think anyone could predict it was going to happen like that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Just like completely we, yeah. froze up. Uh, I think almost you and doing the speech before mm-hmm. broke down the facade he'd been holding up so even before he went on he was already broken it wasn't like a sort of midway through he broke down it was he went up there i think it was the fact that he was gonna have to counterbalance almost what ewan had done and there was like more pressure on like what is the next speech gonna be if that was the first speech and he can't cope with it and like the perfect visual detail of him still having those like pink cue cards and they like are on screen again and he's like shuffling them and placing them around yeah. and you're like oh his plan has fallen apart um but i guess it also kind of shows that like i don't know i guess my feeling about why i really enjoyed this episode was that it feels like for the past few episodes slash kind of whole series the siblings have like constantly been some been in some state of lying to each other about like how they are how they're feeling what they're going through and i think you see all of them be like completely honest for the first time in the church like in their speeches you see them actually be like honest about like they all kind of have their individual relationships with their dad and like you see what it is for each of them in the way they react to like their time on the podium um and because of the nature of the circumstance of where they are, they can't keep whatever facade they've been keeping up for the whole series going. And so it feels like it felt very like cathartic as an audience member to watch it and be like, okay, for once all of their masks has been down. Like it's it's very cathartic to see Roman have that cry when he's been talking about pre-grieving for so long. You're like, thank God. Yeah. <laughs> and they all hug him and like, even Connor's hugging him and it's like, oh, that's actually the first time. Because when Logan died, we only see the three of them hug. But then when we see all of them hug at the funeral, it's like, oh, this is like quite a, like a moment of st- 
strength, I think. And obviously it's all been broadcast and whatever. And we find out that later there's been like a circulation of the sound of Roman crying, which is, you know, brutal and horrible. Um, But like, I imagine that seeing those four hug actually is like probably the best thing that people could be broadcasting to because they're all seen as like, horrible idiots and seeing this moment of humanity where they need to support each other is actually like quite comforting yeah but not for the shareholders which is why it's extra sort of sad that roman can't even like break down at his dad's funeral without it being perceived as some like massive professional failure yeah yeah like that that is is a nightmare to be fair that is horrible. Um, but then we get Kendall comes mm. up, steps up. He loves the limelight. He loves the speech. Yeah, we cannot keep this man away from a microphone. <laughs> and again, a killer Jeremy Strong performance. And then he does a speech that I think, again, it was a lot more honest than maybe I expected. Mm. He wasn't fawning over Logan, but he, he sort of described the terrible force within him and he said and I can't and I hope that's in me too yeah you get a sense of what he admired about him but you don't get a sense of a like false that he had a false perception of him um he was able to admire stuff about him while still taking in like it's like a Shakespearean speech like it's absolutely incredible like I think this monologue is going to be one of the um drama school entry monologues for the next few years well i i was gonna say and my i don't ha- look we're not a podcast that has the best knowledge of shakespeare there are them out there but i think kendall's speech was very similar to the speech in julius caesar mm. by brutus. brutus i think because uh, um, he says I did something do it for about his um I think Brutus in his speech says something about Julius Caesar's... It's all about his ambition. I think one is about how his ambition killed him. And then Brutus says how his ambition, like, filled the coffers of the treasury and stuff. And that's kind of what Kendall is saying about how the force in Logan is kind of, you know, keeps everything moving in a way. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And it feels like what he's saying is like what he kind of didn't get to say in those moments when he's on the phone to Logan when Logan's dead. It's like his feelings are clearly very complicated and he didn't have time to express them and it wasn't quite the right place to express them on the phone. But like in this moment in the funeral, kind of having to speak and doing it off the cuff, which again was performed so well, like all these actors, I genuinely believed like that they were improvising, like it felt so real. Um, but it does feel like he's kind of finally saying what he needs to say. Yeah, he's almost like processed how he feels a bit more yeah. and can express it. And he does a great job, I would say. He gets a round of applause. Yeah. Round and of applause sh- at the funeral. And then Shiv does a speech. This was unexpected. Yeah. And, you know, obviously it was never going to sort of like top Kendall's. And I don't know, did you think it was like... Do you think she was like stirred by wanting to have the chance to say something or do you think it was like she was like I also want to be seen and maybe it was a bit of both yeah with succession it's almost hard to separate that sometimes but I definitely do feel like she had things she wanted to say and she said it and then uh, this was another I think all three speeches were in a way like the show explaining Logan a bit and mm. almost what the writers and what the creators think of Logan, because I think she talks a lot about um, like Logan's f- thoughts on women and being his daughter. And I feel mm. like Logan has always been presented as he's not, he's not this sort of outwardly, you know, w- woman hater. Yeah. But we also know he just is like misogynist in so many other ways. And I think Shiv kind of explains it, you know, where she says, I don't think he can fit a whole woman in his head. I love you know? that line. I thought that line was so good. Yeah, he definitely he definitely wasn't a, um, a woke feminist king. <laughs> Our Logan was. 
No, I don't think there are many woke feminist kings in, uh, the, in all of succession. Only Nate. <laughs> Only Nate. <laughs> Only Nate, our little boy Nate. Um, yeah, I think I think Shiv's, Shiv's speech, you're just like, yeah, she, she also talks about like the warmth from him. And yeah. I think that's something that we see all the siblings get at different points and you see how powerful it is. So it feels like it's really important that she addresses it. And I think for her, like she, I don't think she's as caught up in wanting to be like him as Kendall and Roman are. I think she's more like, I want to be like liked and like approved by him, but I'm happy to do my own thing. Whereas we see in Kendall's speech that like he, he's admired his ambition. Um, and we can kind of tell from the hint of what we got about Roman's speech that he also wanted to be sort of likened to him, but also like we just see him break down and we just see like a boy who's lost his dad. Um, and we don't get to see Connor's formally inventive <laughs> version of whatever that is, but like, that's the perfect, that's perfect. Like, cause Connor is separate from them and he is, he is a different form to them. Literally. Yeah. From his mother's, egg <laughs> <laughs> then we get to the mausoleum yeah th- this was such a funny scene oh, like where yeah and it just it's funny that connor knew about it like logan yeah. had like sent connor pictures of it and it's just funny that he'd be like oh i'm buying this weird thing connor will be into it Connor will be into it. Yeah, because Connor's been into all the like ancient shit before. Like he probably yeah. knew that like Connor would have a good opinion on it or be able to re- reassure him. But it's still funny that when he says five mil, Kendall is like, that's decent. Yeah, Kendall's impressed. It that's why it was funny. He's like, good deal. He did get a good deal. Fair enough. I'm into it now. It's um it's so creepy i really felt for them when they're looking around it and they like realize there's like place for them yeah like that is oh god that like i like couldn't really engage with that because i was like i find that like so horrible and like intense that they they kind of they kind of start to make jokes about it but like they actually can't they're like can uh, roman can't even like come into the into the thing and they're just sort of all a bit confronted with their own mortality in a way that i think is like a reminder of like they've channeled five million into this big tomb but like that's not going to stop them dying even though they have so much money and it's like yeah this mausoleum is forever as connor says but like yeah yeah i, I think as well it's like connor was connor as a character is happy to be us in the side draw of his dad's mausoleum where it's like Kendall in that moment is almost like no I want my own yeah 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 he wants a 10 mil moors he wants a 10 mil moors with uh (laughs) double draws for Jess and Greg (laughs) (laughs) and Hugo (laughs) this was uh we got a little quick moment with Marsha and Shiv where Marsha's basically kind of like your dad broke my heart, but I loved him like you. And that kind of was a bit of closure for Marsha, I think, to sort of tell Shiv, like, I'm not just some, you know, vulture circling, like I loved him. Yeah. But then we get the sort of rampage Kendall where he's like, I'm I'm going for the crown now. Because he goes to Hugo first and is like, I'm going for the crown Mm-hmm. Um, you'll just be my dog, but the scraps from my table will be millions. Are you up for that? And Hugo just replies, woof, woof. <laughs> Which proves my theory so much that Hugo is Greg in yeah. 30 years' time. Hugo, like, that is 100% Greg it, move. It's so funny. And then Hugo's such a good sort of little snake to have by your side because he'll just do anything. Yeah, 100%. Um and then we get to the, I guess it's the wake, right? Yeah, it's, it's it's the wake and we get Kendall and Colin. Oh, Colin. Yeah. And Colin, it feels like Kendall kind of tries to use his tricks on Colin. And I don't think Colin engages in, in a way that is like certain what he, like. Y- yeah. So- sorry, the sparkling water is now making me burp quite a lot. <laughs> 
How the mighty have fallen. <laughs> your Roman. This is your Roman arc. <laughs> oh, dear. Uh, yeah, it, it's an interesting scene because Kendall offers him a job. And I think the sort of... The underlying thing is a job probably that pays, again, millions. Like, mm. it's... I'll give you a job and you will be just sorted for financially. Uh, and then he mentions that he's speaking to a therapist. And this is where you see, okay, mm-hmm. Kendall doesn't want Colin talking about all the stuff he knows, yeah. specifically about Kendall. And he says, you shouldn't, you're a big guy like you shouldn't be talking to a therapist. You should be talking to me. And yeah. Colin agrees but I don't think he's fooled. He's not, he knows what Kendall's saying here. And maybe in a way he's sort of like, yeah, okay, let's see what you can offer me. But I also, I've got a lot of info here. Yeah, he's not, he's not, he's loyal to Logan, not Kendall. Yeah. And Logan's stayed. Kendall definitely is like, if I can get Colin loyal to me, I'm I'm in a great spot. Nothing can bring me down. Yeah. And then we have uh, this this moment where Mencken is flocked by yeah, everyone. Roman, Kendall, Greg gets his little neck in there <laughs> yeah. in, a, in the sort of worst way possible. Um, <laughs> and when Shiv kind of gets takes his arm and says, I'm your exit strategy, or yeah. whatever she actually says, God, it's, it's cool. It's really cool when she takes him away. I was like, the fact that that worked. And if he'd stayed in the table, that would have been the most humiliating moment of her life. But because he leaves with her, it's like, that is the most baller thing that has ever happened. It looked so cool. Yeah, they just formed it. And like when Kendall's talking to him, he is very kind of like non-committal about this deal they've made. He's being a snake. And then everyone swarms, and I think that's just to show, like, all right, he's the man now. He's got mm. the power. Shiv takes him away, talking to Matson. Again, he's sort of non-committal. He's just he's got options now. Yeah, he's um, it's like very, it's very unclear what he's going to do, and it doesn't feel like he's that engaged with either of them. And like you see, like Matson, and you see Kendall, and you're like, it's not like there's a clear choice it's like oh yeah if i was the president i would be like i don't really know what to do like both these guys are kind of annoying (laughs) yeah Um, and he and it again i think the vibe is so interesting between the three of them matson shiv and menken because i think menken is quite receptive to matson but very wary of shiv because he knows that they don't align politically and he even refers to Shiv as Kinderkuche Kircher which it was the German slogan that means children kitchen church which is uh, like a woman's role so I think that's Mencken kind of you know he's not keen on Shiv and yeah he don't like her because she's a woman and she's a left woman yeah, and Matson kind of gives the pitch, and we leave that unresolved. Mm. Um, and then it's Tom and Shiv. Oh, this moment when he apologizes. They have this. They have. He apologizes for not being there when I saw someone make the point online that like. Logan didn't go to any like stuff when he was working like Logan would have been kind of fine with it I think um but we see that for him he did need that closure and he doesn't get it and he starts crying but then also we see the moment where Shiv's mum reappears again and talks to them and I think you see Tom's attitude change slightly before the mum is there and after the mum is there and I think her presence almost reminds him of like that same thing of like Shiv's mum is fucked up and her dad is intense, so she's probably going to be a bit fucked up as well. Slash, also, we don't want our child to have like a comp- this relationship. So I feel like he softens a bit after that. Yeah, he definitely softens, and it's because that reminds me actually of a bit we just 
failed to mention earlier which is when roman's breaking down you see jerry in the audience and i think Mm. jerry's realization that he's just like a scared child as well she feels bad for him and i think tom yeah he kind of sees shiv for what she is a bit here rather than the hard exterior yeah and they're just sort of nice to each other here yeah, you know, and she it, offers for him to go, like, hide in her apartment, which I think is, like, nice because she's, like, protecting him with her money and her, like, power. But also I think it's, like, for her. Like, I think she wants him to be there when she gets back. Yeah. So that yeah. was, look, you can rewind the episodes. I never gave up on Tom and Shiv, even yeah, after yeah. the balcony fight. Yeah. So One more rep. Will they make it? <laughs> So we'll see what happens to them. Um, and then we get the Matson calls Shiv, right? And he's up for the idea of an American CEO. He's made a deal. But this is why it's interesting because it's it means that the deal happened off camera without Shiv. Mm. And Shiv is so buzzing. But Matson at no point is like, you, yeah, you're going to be the American CEO. Right, yeah. It's not clear, and it's not clear, like like you said, because it happens off camera, like, whether her idea was actually a good thing, even though I think she's thinking, I fucking nailed that. Yeah. And she did in a way, but she nailed it for Matson, which mm. is, again, Matson recognises Shiv's strength, strengths, is using them, but is in no way tied to her. And we've seen... um that time and time again, you know, when now Menkin has already got ATN to declare, they've yeah. got nothing over him. So he yeah. owes them nothing. There's no, you did this for me. I'm going to do this to you out of loyalty, I think, yeah. in this world. There's none at all. And then we see Kendall basically telling Roman that he fucked it. Roman's yeah. asking him to take it easy in a complete reversal from the start of the episode. And Roman goes onto the street. Yeah. And just this sort of, it's sort of, it feels like a bit of self-harm by proxy. You know, he's just going into a, a swarm of people that hate him, you know? Yeah. It feels like he, exactly like he feels a bit like maybe like he hates himself. And he's like putting himself in that situation where someone else can act that out for him. Yeah. But also like he he's, it feels like, like we were speaking about at the beginning of the episode with him not really being connected with the real people. And he's kind of like, okay, I'm going to put myself in the real people and like see what happens. And it's just like a complete sort of collapse. And it was really sad. Like it was like that fucking like Lion King scene when Mufasa gets run over, but without any of the, like, you know, sad lion stuff that Lion King is all about. But, like, seeing him sort of get trampled, you're like, oh, God, like, you've been at your dad's funeral, like, this is a a mess. It was true rock bottom. I think it was the most explicit rock bottom you could possibly have, like, lying on the floor getting trampled over. And I was like, oh, please, just, like, don't go to the credits before we know that, like... Because you see him get, like, punched and stuff. And I was like, I just want to, like, see his face to, like, see how badly beat up here he is. And, like, they don't give you that. They just cut straight to the credits. Yeah. Oh. What an ep. What an ep. Okay. I think we should end on predictions. Oh, I don't even know. I've got to go in three minutes. Um... So okay. do you have a prediction that you can do in three minutes? Yeah, I'll give my prediction is Tom is the winner of succession. I think the two candidates are Tom and Kendall. I think Kendall is a sort of, he wins and isolates everyone around him and he's all alone at the top, right? Mm. That's the Kendall story. Or I think the Tom is... Uh, like a sort of King Lear thing, back to Shakespeare, mm. where all the siblings sort of kill each other. In this, I think kill is more of destroy, yeah. you know. Um, and 
Tom is left standing as the puppet American CEO. I could see that happening. Mm, interesting. I hadn't even thought of that. But then do you think Shiv and that would maybe ruin them? That could ruin them. them. Or if Shiv gave her blessing, that could make them. That could be, okay, Tom, it can be you. And that would be such a big thing for Shiv. Oh, God, it's going to be good. Also, I should say, um, for the listeners, I'm going on holiday next week. So um, I'm actually going to be away for the final episode. But I genuinely think what I'm going to do because I value this podcast and I value our gorgeous listenership which does exist actually which is mad I think I will bring my microphone on holiday and try and record from Budapest live from Budapest the final episode that's the most succession thing ever you're going to do it from a yacht (laughs) I'm going to do it from a yacht drinking champagne um yeah well maybe Maybe let us know if anyone has any theories for how the end is going to go. We can um, we can go through them in the last episode. We can do a, a good finale app. Um, but thank you all for listening. God bless. R.I.P. Yep. Logan. R.I.P. Logan. Mm-hmm.